0: Now it's time for Rod and Rio Radio with your hosts, hop along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase sprout crappie, or bass, this is is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the tournaments and events with special reports. While providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Maine or online at elcajonford.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck, or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires, and competitive prices, remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reporters lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours of radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, hop along, John
1: Cassidy. Mark Larson, thank you. And Southern California, welcome to our Rod and Reel Radio. It is a pleasure to have you aboard tonight, and we are going to make it worthwhile, you listening tonight. We've got a fast-moving show. Starting off right off the bat, Buck Everingham is going to be with us. Hey, what makes San Diego the world-class fishery that it is? One of the aspects is the availability of bait, and Chuck Everingham at Everingham Brothers – make sure that happening so we've got uh we got buck on right in the beginning and then at 603 we have uh, captain art taylor from searcher sports fishing he's going to be with us he's been out fishing long range and my co-host wendy toshar is going to be going out with them on the next trip we're going to be talking about that a little bit and then update us on some of the local conditions at 640 the owner operator at Sea Adventure Sport Fishing, Chuck Taff, is going to be with us. As always, we'll have Phil Friedman and Captain James Nelson with us. But before we get everything started, let me introduce to you the co host of Ron Radio. First, he is the voice of 1 800 Bass Boat and a pretty darn good angler in his own right, Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, welcome back, sir.
2: <laughs> Thanks, John. It's good to be back, actually. It's been fishing and lots of fun.
1: Oh, it is out there. This is uh, the time to be doing that, and we'll be talking about that as we get later on into the show, Stan. And then also with me is she is the national sales manager for Iserline. She had a great catch this past weekend, and she's going to be going out this weekend with uh, Captain Art Taylor, our guest later on tonight on Search Sports Fishing, Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, howdy.
3: Howdy! I'm doing great
1: and looking
3: forward to my trip with Art, and uh, it's going to be a blast. Uh, I'm for punishment.
1: It's going to be a good trip, and Wendy, we want to talk a little bit more uh, as we get into the show. About you had a fantastic catch over the past uh, in a few days, and we want to talk about that, and then your upcoming trip. But I don't want to have them waiting any longer because this guy is busier than a, a one-armed paper hanger. He is a guy that helps supply all the bait for not only the sports fishing fleet, but the private boaters here in San Diego, Mission Bay, and then also Dana Land, uh, Dana Point. Uh, it's uh, Buck Haveringham. Buck, welcome to the show. Thank you,
4: John. How you doing?
1: All right. Hey, uh, I hope I got that right and didn't screw it up. The uh, the facilities where you supply or the Haveringham Brothers supplies bait, Tell us again uh, about where those operations are and what kind of operations you have there. You
5: had it correct. It's San Diego, Mission Bay, and Dana Point Harbor. And I'd like to say hi to Wendy.
3: (laughs) Hey, Buck. Hey, your bait caught me a 70-pound bluefin tuna last week.
1: Nice, nice. (laughs) Hey, uh, Wendy, where'd you bait up uh, uh, when you guys uh, baited up to go out that day?
3: Uh, we fished out at Dana Point, and it was only 10 miles straight out of the harbor.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never been to the receiver at Dana Point. Uh, is, is that a fairly convenient uh, receiver to get to, Wendy?
3: Yes, it's really easy, um, real convenient, and it's a short ride out to the water, out to the break wall. Um, they, It's a fast, it, it's very organized, and just get in line and you go get your bait and boom, you're mm-hmm. off. It's really quick.
1: Wow. Well, you know, uh, Buck, this has had to have been a monumental task supplying everyone with bait this year because not only do you have the continuous line of the sports fishers going on out, but then you're also servicing the private boaters, especially here in San Diego Bay and Mission Bay. That, that's that got to be a monumental task.
5: Yeah, it definitely keeps us busy trying to keep the equipment up as Probably the biggest task and uh, keeping employees uh, on the barges, you know, getting all set up for the summer and getting people trained. It's, uh, it's quite a daunting task, all right.
1: Wow. Hey,
3: Buck, with, with yeah. a season like this, do, do your boats come in every day and drop off bait, or how often do they punish the bait? Every day. Wow. You
1: know, yeah.
2: With the this. number of boats going out, it doesn't surprise me. You got everybody going to the receiver every day, and sometimes some of them I mean with within twenty four hours twice. <laughs> Did you repeat that? I'm sorry. Said with the with the way this is going, I mean it's got to be every day, and sometimes these guys are going to the bait receivers twice in twenty four hours. That puts a strain on you and your boat.
5: Yeah, it's uh, you know if the bait's there. We can handle it. Uh, Biggest difficulty is if the bait decides to disappear on us. And, you know, longer hours, longer days, and, and uh, it gets pretty rough. But we've been blessed with uh, a good amount of bait around this season so far. Uh, early in the season, the starting was a little scarce, but, you know, they're they're back in great numbers right now. And uh, knock on wood, our, our guys are doing very well. So I'm very proud of them.
1: Buck, when uh, uh, the the season was first getting on here, we had this great influx of the tuna crabs, and was it tough for your fellows to go out and locate, you know, the uh, the bait balls and the schools of bait with this tremendous biomass of tuna crab that you had out there?
5: Well, they had a few hauls on them, and when, once they recognize the reading and you know get dialed into the difference, they've been uh, been real good at keeping away from it. Oh, it's uh, just a matter of uh, what it looks like on the meter and the current conditions.
1: So actually, when when the boats are out there, you know, when I go out and I try and get some bait, I take a couple of pieces of bread and I kind of break it up and throw it along the water and wait for the fish to come on up and and scooping them on up. I think you're doing more than just uh, bringing out a couple of loaves of bread, aren't you?
5: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't use bait to catch bait. We use sonars and pathometers and uh, eyeballs for the color when they're up making color or, you know, nighttime in the fire. So you go out, you find it, and figure out which direction it's going, and then after that, you battle the sea lions for it.
1: Oh. So, uh, you know, with locations of your bait receivers really spread out the way it is, how difficult as it is, is it to keep all of the bait receivers stocked up so there's plenty of great bait for the fishermen to uh, take advantage of.
5: Well, right now we have one boat that's devoted totally to Dana Harbor because it's so far away. And then we have uh, three boats that work between Mission Bay and San Diego. And uh, the three boats try try their darndest to keep up with the demand for those two ports.
1: And And the
5: one up in Dana Point, too.
1: You know, and on an average, how far out are you have are the boats having to go out? I mean, is it something within the real coastal areas, or in some cases, are they having to travel, or yeah, and any given day, is it mixed?
5: It's more along the coastline where it's at. Um, right now, with these conditions, I think the prey fish have the, the bait pushed into shallow water, and uh, that's where we're getting it, probably between anywhere from you know 40 feet to 10 feet of water
1: wow and that's something now you know in the type of fishing that you do to catch bait is there any any other bio catch that's that comes along with the anchovies and the sardines
5: it depends on how big your hauls are you know what kind of you know, it, you can get, get other fish. It's generally, if you're if you're doing well, you catch a good amount, you, you load your boat, and then you release the rest alive so you don't get hardly any bycatch with it. But whatever we get, we pump the tanks down and take a bucket down and, and get them over the side alive so we can, you know, keep the, keep the sport fish going, you know
1: i'm surprised with the the pictures we've been seeing from a lot of the uh sports fishers and the private boaters out there anywhere where you have any type of ball of bait right now there seems to be tuna jumping out of there i'm surprised that you can get a a ball of bait all to yourself where there aren't fish in it
5: yeah no we we we've been fortunate uh as far as not getting any tuna but there's been some other species like yellowtail in there and you know, uh, and, white sea bass and stuff, that we do our, our best to get them out
1: and let just, them go. Just cull them on out, that's that's for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, there was a time there where we had sardines, and then all of a sudden the sardines just disappeared, and there were anchovies, and uh, uh, the anchovies were okay, but it just seemed like, hey, you know, sardines are what we wanted. All of a sudden sardines came back again. Are you finding, is it getting more and more difficult to find the sardines you know because sardines have been a bait that that that's been around for a long time i mean you've just been catching sardines for the past few seasons
4: yeah
5: we uh you know there was a moratorium back in the 60s where you couldn't catch them and uh they got so plentiful at that time it was almost impossible to get chobies without them so they opened them back up for live bait and commercial use and uh you know, the, I think the biggest issue we have is, is the scientists just don't have the money and the, the time to really get out there and look at it long enough. You know, they'll pick a very small window of, window of time to look. And when they do their biomass uh, deal, they, they only do it in the same area at the same time every year. So if they hit a, a swash of clean water... And you know what I mean. There's water you can see 100 feet in. Well, there's not much biomass in that water. So you don't get the eggs they're looking for. So if they drag through that water that's in their area at that time, they don't see anything. But, you know, my experience has been that the sardine is, you know, they do take off. They do disappear for a while, but they come back in very good numbers. And, uh, you know, it's—it's it's, they're survivalists, they're just like the anchovy. So they leave and then they come back when they're ready, and then uh, we get fortunate enough to catch
1: them. So, it, from what you've seen in in past seasons, has this been a good season uh, for catching bait? Uh, average season, below normal? Uh, how, how are the conditions out there right now, Buck?
5: Well, they're they're working hard at it. They're having sometimes to make multiple hauls, but they're getting it well, and it's because they're on it every day, and they. They have a pretty good sense of when the fish is showing. I mean, you can have 10,000 tons on the beach, uh, say, at the Silver Strand at the State Park, and you make two or three hauls, and they'll stay there for anywhere from two to four hours, and then they disappear, and you think there's nothing. And that's kind of how they are. You know, if you're not there, when they're there, it looks like there's nothing, but... It's been more about timing. I mean, they were going out at 10 o'clock at night last week, and I think they're to midnight now, and they're finding it. So they just gotta keep following around the clock when they're showing the best, and that's uh, what our guys are good at.
1: Right. Hey, uh, if you will, Buck, can you explain to me uh, uh, some of the terminology that's used, you know, when describing the bait? And I guess the one that most people hear and maybe don't understand what it means is that the bait is cured. Can you kind of go into what that means a little bit? Yeah. Uh,
5: sardines are a lot harder to cure up. Anchovies heal up quicker from the experience of being caught. And a lot of the, the whole thing depends on how many sea lions are in your net when you go to load the fish and then how uh, how the fish react themselves. If they're uh, in the fighting the net, they're going to knock a lot of their own scales off, their slime, and so they're, they're a little bit damaged. Uh, the sardine, when they really hurt themselves, they, they just don't come back that quick, or they may never, So, especially in the warmer water. And so what that cure is is when they go through any kind of trauma or getting caught, they sit in the receiver long enough to grow their scales back in their slime coat. And at that point, if you handle them gently, when you load them into the bait tank, they'll live for a long time. That's what Jared means.
1: Well, you know, I think that's uh, also maybe something uh, that's important for uh, the private boaters to remember because I would think that one of the biggest problems private boaters have is trying to overload the bait tanks that they have, and they wind up uh, going on out, bouncing around to get out to where they're going, and by the time they get uh, going most of the bait is dead or not doing that well. Is there, is there any rule of thumb for, you know, how much bait to use, for whole, how large a bait tank or anything for the private boaters?
5: Yeah, we generally recommend about one scoop of bait for, for 30 gallons. Um, and when the water's hot, like we'll cut ours back by in the receivers by a third right now because of the warmer water. And in fact, the water and some sometimes hasn't been that warm, but the bait's having a little harder time uh, in that water, in the bait, or we're we're cutting it back even before the temperature reached 70 degrees. So if you're looking at a 70 degree or above temperature or you're going to be crossing um, water that's like that, you know, put a little less in there, maybe half scoop, depending on the situation, or just accept what it's going to do when you hit that hot water, which is A lot of times it gets pretty sick and rolls, but I think a good... uh, A real important thing to remember is when you're driving your boat. If you're getting out of the water on your boat, you're probably sucking air into your bait tank, and if you're pounding your boat... Let me say it this way. If you can stand up in the middle of your back deck and not fall over, you're probably doing real well for the bait, but if you're having to hold on well, the bait doesn't have anywhere to hang on. It just goes slamming into the wall. So, you know, it's, if it's rough, you've got to slow down and go easier until you get your fishing done and, you know, wide open.
1: <laughs> well, Buck Everingham from Everham Brothers Bait Company, uh, you're an integral part of helping uh, uh, us go out there and catch fish and the success of the sports fishing fleet here in San Diego. We just want to all thank you and congratulate you for the great job that both you and your crew does uh, uh, i just can't imagine the hours that you work to try and make sure that everyone is baited up the way they can because if i'm not mistaken there are there are no open or closed hours on the on the bait barge the bait barge is always open isn't it
5: yeah we're open 24 7 uh we do close for about 36 hours or so on christmas i had to draw the line there for my people and so they can be <laughs> home with their families.
1: <laughs> All right. Buck Everingham from the Everingham Brothers Bait Company. Buck, thank you for being with us and you have a most successful season and we look forward to the next time we get a chance to see you and talk to you again. Okay?
5: Okay. Thank you very much, Don. Thank you, Wendy. Take care.
1: All right. Buck Everingham with us. Matt, great job those guys do supplying us with bait. That's what makes San Diego the unique place that it is. It's the availability of bait, where you don't have to spend a lot of time catching bait, your own bait, when you're on a charter or you're on the sports fishing. You go on up, load it with the best bait in the world, and you're off to go fishing. Hey, this is Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or at com. Stan Vandenberg and Woody Toshar are with us tonight, uh, tonight. Stay tuned. More Rod and Reel Radio to come with Phil Friedman. We'll be back right after these messages.
0: You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on like the all-new Fusion Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California,
6: Broadway and East Main in El Cajon,
0: or online, anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com.
6: Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpie
7: Adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144
8: or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O, I will scent my lure with pride and hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at
0: BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California.
1: This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, balloon fisher king now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy to use clips and 100 percent biodegradable natural latex balloons all you do is clip inflate bait and fish look for balloon fisher king clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information it's a big
9: deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Real Radio. I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've
7: made it. I fulfilled my dream. That is just absolutely awesome.
1: And Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Real Radio. Wendy Toshihara is with us tonight. So is Stan Vandenberg. We're waiting for the voice, Phil Friedman, to give us a call. And while we're doing that, Wendy, I know you're getting excited. You, you, you're you're going fishing more than Stan and I combined, and not only that, I think you're being a lot more successful. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know it's bad. a horrible job, but somebody has to do
1: it. <laughs> hey, Stan, I know uh, uh, that you were out last week, and you want to give us a little rundown, of just exactly uh, what you guys did and where'd you go while we're waiting for uh, Phil Friedman to call in.
2: Well, we had a choice to go left uh, out of San Diego and catch that smaller yellowfin that was down below, but I took the option, let's go up while this big bluefin is outside, and if you do get one, it's going to be a good fish, and and the yellowfin and the yellowtail that are up there also are going to be a little better, so we took our shot, knowing that the rain was coming, and the hurricane was pumping in all the moisture there, and so we had two days of, it wasn't rough weather, it was just weather. and lightning was hitting the water all around us uh, on Saturday. And the, every time you had the lightning hit the water, if you had a bait in the water, your bait would jump and run a little bit. It was kind of fun to to find out how it was going to work. I think with all the electricity, some of the boats did very well. Uh, we didn't do as well as we maybe could have. But we had a lot of um, lost fish, but we landed a fair amount of them. And anything we landed was somewhere between 20 and 50 pounds, so the quality was there, and uh, it was interesting to switch from the sardines to the anchovies because our bait was really big, and they didn't necessarily want the really big stuff, so I went to, back to what I knew from way back when and fished a number two uh, light wire gamakatsu ring hook and put an anchovy on that and got a couple of fish on that, and then when I found the right, we'd put it in the water with the smaller uh I mean the smaller sardines got bit on clothes. They were good bite in the morning. I actually got the two fish morning on uh, a circle iron in the four in the morning. Get out there, get up on the bow and start checking the thing around. Started the ball rolling with that went to uh, mega Bay for that football. That fall was a bit, but they weren't staying on them for some reason. So uh, some of the guys eat the sidewalk, um, and that was. Uh, uh, better to after that, But all in all, it was interesting through that, that lightning and thunderstorm for a whole day. It brightened up, and it was dead calm in the morning, Sunday, uh, current, flat, calm um, seas. I thought it was a And then the little afternoon, the squall came back in, we got more rain, and finished our day. With it getting everything rinsed up before we hit the clock again. But a good time with that box. And uh, I think we made the wrong decision. And Wendy definitely made the right decision.
1: Well, yeah, Wendy, uh, it seems like she did make that left turn, and that was uh, the right way to go. But, you know, Wendy, that was just half the story. You had a pretty good day out there uh, uh, being out there. You want to tell us a little bit about what happened to you?
3: Well, actually, you know, I was out on the water the same day Stan was, on Saturday with all the lightning and uh It was pretty hairy, but uh, we uh, we did catch uh, quite a few thirty pounders. Um, And then during the week before work on Tuesday, we decided to go sneak out, and uh, we uh, went out of Dana Point Harbor, went in front of the domes, um, so we went south southeast, and um, we fished out there for a little while and caught some fish, but decided to head towards home, and we saw. Porpoise, fish the porpoise, nothing. But we decided just to drift out there because the fish are really boat shy. And uh, I picked up that seventy pounder on a long scope and the biggest mackerel I could find, fifty pound test and a three o owner hook.
1: Wow! Now
3: took twenty five minutes to bring him in. He kicked my butt.
2: Now yeah, you that ponga fishing with a seventy pounder is pretty rugged.
3: <laughs> that is that is tough. You know, I've never caught a big fish from a from a skiff. I I like the big boats. I like the rails. I had a <laughs> rod that the was way too long for a skiff. so I know better next time. I'm taking a short uh, a rod with short butt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, I know exactly when you what you uh, went through because when I was on a ponga down at cedros Island, and and I hooked on to a, a big old yellowtail. I mean, it was taking me all around the boat. I was tripping over a uh, 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 gear. I, I tripped over one of the struts uh, on the gull of the boat. The next thing I know, I was flat on my butt with uh, my rod sticking up in the air, and I was looking at the skipper, and I asked him to hold my rod as I, as I got myself on up. It, you get one of those fish, it's got to really run you around a little bit.
3: It told us. Yeah. <laughs> i was yeah, lucky. It I was at the bow and spotted at the bow, and um, you know, it was it was either you know he's going to stay down there a long time or it's going to pull like heck and race and get him in. And so I pulled as hard as I could, and and uh, went to the doctor, and I have a pinched nerve. <laughs> oh
1: man! You know,
2: the one good thing about pulling a boat around is they get real tired. <laughs>
1: Who, who gets real tired?
2: <laughs> well, both of them do, but, but it, it'll help tire down that fish a little bit, pulling a boat around, too.
1: Oh, my. Well, did you find that happening, Wendy? Was, were, were you actually getting towed around by that fish, or were you in shallow enough water? Because I know that helped me when I had a big fish on with light gear. Uh, we were only in about 60 feet of water, and I know if I would have been in, in uh, deeper water, I would have really been in, in bad shape. Uh, uh, do you recall? Were you fishing in relatively shallow water, or what?
3: No, we weren't fishing in shallow water. Um, it, it was it was pretty deep. I mean, I guess um, I am not sure, but I know it was definitely over over two. Yeah. But um, you know, I just knew that there were big fish out there, and and what I recommend to people when you're out there fishing, start off with with fifty pound or forty pound. Start off heavy. If you're not getting bit, downsize. And that way you won't have to fight the fish for so long and get them in and then go get another one. Unless well, chance of being eaten by a seal.
1: Well, I don't know, Dave. Do you think a seal or especially one of those harbor seals is going to fool around with a 70-pound fish?
3: Uh, you never know. And, you know, we've got hammerheads and sharks out there.
2: Yeah, there were some hammerheads out there.
3: <laughs> There's a 500-pound
1: hammerhead hanging around on Tuesday.
2: Yep, there was. We actually saw that one first thing in the morning. He was big.
1: Stan, when when you guys were out and you got caught in that electrical storm, do you really think uh, that lightning hit it? Hit the water? Is that that's got to affect the fish? Because I don't I don't know how how far in the water does that electrical charge uh, you know, go before it, it disseminates enough where it doesn't shock the fish.
2: You know, all I know, I, if you have a boat, and, and all of us bass fishermen know this, and the guys that, especially the fleet, knows this too, if your boat has uh, some kind of a negative charge where it's emitting a electrical impulse into the water, it can keep the fish from biting right, um, or coming to your boat. And in this event, when you have that much lightning and it's striking all around uh, within gosh, 10 miles in any direction that you could see, uh, it can't help. That's all I could think of. Because the fish, we ran up on schools and schools of the bluefin where you'd see it under the boat, it would come under the boat, just didn't want to bite. It was onesie-twosies. I got to say thanks to Bruce Smith on the success. He did a handoff at the end of the day. He didn't have to turn his motors on. I think he was on from 5 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon or something like that that first day. And he did had a pretty good plumber bite with over 100 fish um, just sitting in one spot. And i got to say congratulations again to to Bruce, That's not for that, but I know he got married, I guess, this weekend. So, congratulations again for that also. But I think it does have an effect on the fish where we left in uh, the area on the, Actually, we had to go back in and get more bait and then come back out on Sunday morning. We, the bluefin wasn't around much in that aruna, so we ended up going west and ended up being this giant pool, that yellow was out there. It came up out of nowhere, and that's what they catch that started catching it, and that started to bite. So, it was an interesting trip. Um, it happened to lightning. especially in July. We had rain and lightning and thunder and high up to the water. I've never been in one of those storms like that down, or just right off our coast. It was pretty... Pretty fun, actually posted uh, a photo that I stole from uh, Mike Pritchard because he stole it from somebody else on the Facebook of this lightning going the water and uh, a boat right behind it. And it can't be good for fishing because that much electricity, whacked water, is be uh, a little bit spooky for them too.
1: Well, you know, Stan, I think we better start getting used to it because from all indications, we are going to be... Um, Visited by the largest El Nino, maybe ever to visit the coast here on recorded history. And let to say all the projections and all the charts, they're looking for the water to warm up. And as our coastal waters warm up, uh, the uh, hurricane track in the eastern Pacific might change a little bit. And instead of those storms like last year, going over Guerra Negro and then into the Sea of Cortez and then up into uh, uh tucson and uh that area of of the uh, southwest uh we'll be seeing maybe a lot more storms like we saw this last one that they shimmy along the coast and then come in wherever they decide to come in as a matter of fact this last storm i think really the bulk of it hit more in the uh, los angeles area than it hit in san diego so that's how far north it went
2: yeah we had a lot of rain even up in ventura county we got a bundle of rain from that and i I remember fishing in 97 in the, uh, the bigger El Nino that was back then. And in the bass tournaments, it was just, we called it Follow That Storm, because every time you went to a tournament, you just followed the storm up to wherever you were going and fishing in the rain for a while. It was pretty crazy. But it's going to be really great for our lakes if this happens, with the way the water has been down for a while and all the growth over the last few years, when lakes come up in the last they can hold that water for a couple of years It's really a bonus
1: for the inland lake. Well, we're looking forward to that happening. I know we're seeing that uh, uh, down here in San Diego with Lake El Capitan. The reason why that lake is still fishing extremely well is uh, for the high water levels of, of three and four years ago when there was an area for the fish to spawn and the bait to spawn and there wasn't a lot of pressure on the fishermen because, you know, what happens is those fish will get back right where all that submerged vegetation is, so uh, you can't necessarily get to it, and all the bait fish and all the small fish have all kinds of cover so that when the lake finally does come down, as it normally will, because these are our drinking water reservoirs, and those fish begin to move out of that submerged brush, uh, we'll be seeing uh, uh, great fishing again. So it, well, you it, know,
2: just watching the changeover from uh, the weekend, I think those, that was, we had a couple of days of lower counts across the board. I was tougher fishing uh, through that storm. I thought maybe it would be different with a low pressure coming in. you know how uh, in freshwater the low pressure comes in and the fish actually bite better. I was hoping that was going to happen with us, but not so much. Uh, I think that only about six boats that had pretty decent counts on Saturday, I think it went up a little bit. Uh, on Sunday, but then after that, the next few days, it got better better. Last week here, it's really done very well. I watched, uh, we were out in the top gun 80 with Bobby Taft and Scotty and uh, the crew there, had a great time, a lot of us. But I watched discounts go through the roof here again that, as uh, we progressed. So it's just got nothing but better better. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what it does for big fish fishing. You know, if we get closer to October. And November, see where all big stuff in down below. They come up like your old plant was in magazine, it was like out fishing. Um, it just changed the, the fishery forever that goes long-range fishing. So it'll be interesting here across the board. I think in the next month or two, you know, in September, these guys are going to go on day trips. are going to have to pull wire and get ready for
1: pondo. You know, uh Wendy, I'm interested if uh, when you opened up uh, that uh, bluefin tuna that you had, what was in its belly? Because if you go to the Rod and Reel radio site on Facebook, we happen to have a little segment, thank uh, to SDFish.com, of a fisherman that caught an 80-pound fish. And what they found the contents of its stomach was when they opened it up. Did you find anything interesting in the stomach of the fish you caught?
3: You know, I didn't check out the stomach contents of that big fish, but the other blue fins that was caught, they had um, the red crab and, and uh sardines.
1: Right. So, hey, yeah, if you want to find out what uh, an 80-pound uh, bluefin tuna was eating that was caught last week off here in San Diego, just go to com and check it on out. I think you'll be surprised what you find that that fish had in its stomach. Hey, well, guys... It's time to take a break right now. You're listening to Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or radio.com Again, if you have any comments, you can get a hold of us uh, on Facebook at Rod and Reel Radio or uh, you know, just go to the radiocom site. You can send us uh, uh, an email, and we'll be sure to address it. So Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. But coming on up, it's the California Inshore Report with Captain and James Nelson. Stay tuned. Still more Rod Reel Radio to come.
6: Hooks, tuna hooks ring the hooks tuna doubles and many more don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook get gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now
1: this portion of rod and reel radio is brought to you by the Rockley's fish release system now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught look or ask for the rock at your local fishing tackle dealer Southern California, welcome back to Rod and Reel Radio. Stan, Wendy, and I, we've been talking about this incredible season that we're call, calling 2015. You know, the offshore bite has been good, but you know what? We don't want to be ignoring what's happening into our immediate inshore area and our bays. And who better to tell us what's happening is the fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. Captain James, welcome to the show. I hope it's been a great week for you.
4: Oh, it has, John. It's been a busy one, that's for sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just try and book you. My gosh. It's been great. Hey, James, what's been happening to you this past week that that we need to know about?
4: Well, you know, the past week, actually, before I get started with the report, if I may, um, my report last week, I I used a terminology that I know a lot of us have used over the years, and I know I didn't invent it. I picked it up, but it it can have... uh, a negative connotation to a group of people that don't deserve the negative connotation. And I'm talking about our sport fishing fleet, and, uh, you know, it, it didn't even dawn on me until somebody that you and I both admire a lot, John, somebody that I think all of us in the sport fishing fleet uh, kind of brought it to my attention. And, and if it weren't for this person bringing it to my attention, I, I don't think I would have recognized the issue. And... Uh, we got a great sports fishing fleet in San Diego. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I never meant to, you know, any ill will on anybody by using a term that, you know, I don't even want to say it again, but let's just say that, you know, for those who want to go back and listen to shows, if they want to pick it up, fine. If not, let's just move on. But we got a great sport fishing fleet out here, and I don't mean any disrespect to them at all. If anybody's ever listened to my reports, you know a lot of times I do say go with me, call somebody on, you know, go with another boat, get on a boat, just get out there and go fishing, and that's what I mean. So, you know, Captain James, put it
1: up. You know, sometimes, you know, just uh, stuff like that happens. I've got to tell you, though, right now, when you look at the fishing counts that are coming in at most all of the landings, the half-day boats and budget, and get out there and get them. Don't wait for the dock totals or don't wait for Saturday or Wednesday or whatever it is. Go fishing when you can go fishing. Go often, and I think you will be amply rewarded. And James, I, oh, appreciate, I appreciate that.
4: Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with that, John. I mean, it, it, this is the time. And, again, I'll say it, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Whether you, you, you call me or another guide in town or jump on one of the sport fishing boats that are out there or get a buddy to pull his boat out of storage, whatever, just get out there and go because this is the time. And right now... Uh, it's and it's it's going to get better. So if you can't go tomorrow, don't don't panic. We work it out. Get all the details. Get the batteries charged. Get out there and go. Though I mean, this is John. We're getting yellowtail. I mean, just a big yellowtail, right? Right, local. We're getting big barracuda. We got we got signs that the Benita are on their way. And you know how much fun they are. And of course, you know, let's not even mention the T word. But even in the bay, if, if you just got a little skiff and want to play around in the bay, or you want to go down to one of these boat rental places and get a little boat and play in the bay, this is a great time to fish. It doesn't matter where you go or how you do it, just go.
1: Well, you know, Jim, I think with the, uh, the kids off from school right now and not having the opportunity to maybe take a, a long vacation trip or whatever it is, there is no better deal to go out, let's say, on one of the three-quarter-day ha- or half-day boats or to go out on a charter boat like yours and take the kids out and take them for a grand time, and and kids don't don't care whether or not they're catching tuna. They they want to go out there and they want to be pulling on something.
4: Exactly, you know that's one thing I've seen, and and right now the bay species are just more than willing to accommodate for that. So are our local kelp species, especially bear kids. Man, watching a barracuda just go back and forth, hit your bait on as soon as it hits the surface, and then go back and forth when you get them on the line. And, you know, especially you got a hands helping you get that fish around all the other lines. And, you know, you get on, on one of those uh, three-quarter-and-a-half-day boats. I don't know about you, John, but to me, the best thing about those boats, you know, and, and this is not taken away from the crew and all the fishing. Best thing is those burgers. I don't know what it is about them galley burgers. <laughs> you know, and you know they're using the same patties. You can go get a Costco. But th- they just taste so much better on those boats, do they not? <laughs> they
3: do.
1: You know, yeah, they do. back uh, in the late 50s when I was going out on one of the boats, it was called the Kingfisher out of Fisherman's Landing. Uh, their boat burger was a double cheeseburger with bacon. And you'd be you'd be in the in the stern of the boat fishing, or you'd be traveling to your next spot. And all of a sudden, you would get this whiff of bacon coming out from the galley. And my gosh, I I've been hooked for life. There is nothing better than a <laughs> double bacon cheeseburger. What about bacon?
2: Is it because you could be on the lake in the Sierras <laughs> fishing for trout early in the morning, and all of a sudden you'll see the campfires going, and the next thing you smell is bacon. No. You
1: know, and Stan, there's nothing better to save that bacon grease that you had for breakfast, and when you bring those trout in to, to you know, if you want to give those trout a, a little bit of sear and bacon grease and, and just have them that way, man, that's good oh, That is
2: that's the right way to cook a trout, by the way. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, now, Wendy is cringing right now because of the fact that all of the pokey and sashimi that she's been having with the fish he's been catching out there.
3: <laughs> Boy, does it taste good. And there are so many ways to prepare fish, but that is my favorite.
2: I want your pokey recipe.
3: <laughs> okay. You <laughs> I mean, have to
2: text it to me or, or email me that.
1: You know, James, You know, we we had uh, uh, Buck Evergam on at the, uh, the beginning of the show, and I've got to tell you, uh, he, he just did emphasize How many customers in a particular day they service, like on a Saturday and Sunday? And and you've got to imagine that that after they get finished with the sport fishing boats that start showing up there at, you know, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, whatever they leave, and then the private boaters start up. And the private boaters have been launching early out of the Shelter Island launch ramp to try and get a jump on it. In fact, one of the fellas that was at the Shelter Island launch ramp up there by the Outboard Boating Club, said that at 4 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, he could look towards the bait barge and he could see the boats lined up from you know Shelter Island at the bait barge, waiting to get, a, get their bait at the bait barge. So when it comes to fishing in the bay, yeah, live bait is great, but it's also a great place to use artificials.
4: Oh, absolutely, and, that, and that's another great thing. I've even seen uh, a lot of buddies of mine do that in the morning. If it's just crowded at the at the bait barge, they'll just start fishing artificials for a while, hang out in the bay. And you even see guys doing that while they're in line. You know, they're, they're just fishing around the bait barge because you could just toss some plastics down there. And, and right now is a great time. you got the sand bass biting really well. I don't know if you've seen some of those calico pictures we're catching. Oh, my gosh, I mean, yeah. both species are spawning right now. So if you get on one, you're going to get on many because they do school up really well when they do that. And it's just it's fantastic time to just load the boat.
1: You know, Jim, if you had your choice where if uh, your customers were going to come in right now, and they could spend a half day on the morning, and they said, Captain James, we're at your disposal Uh, take us in the bay after whatever is biting the best. Do you have any recommendations right now?
4: Right now, if you just really want to get hooked up, take that little 8 to 10-pound rod of yours, spin and bay casting, I don't think the fish care, so whatever you're comfortable with. Um, uh, Three-quarter ounce is probably about as heavy as you want to go, so I would say go anywhere from a quarter to three-quarter ounce on a lead head. Your favorite plastic, I like grubs, I like swim baits, Uh, you know, I'm going to say it once, twice, and again, color really doesn't matter, so it's not like you have to go out and buy anything. If you already got a bunch of chartreuse, you don't have to go out and buy more chartreuse. You're good to go, because color doesn't matter. So uh, just take the chartreuse you already have,
1: and... (laughs) <laughs> I, I wish I wish all I had to do was make black baits all the time. <laughs> you, you come into Angler's arsenal, and you see a, a wall of maybe 150 baits all in different colors and everything like that, and people come in, they still can't find the color they're looking for. <laughs> there
4: you go. Well, you just take that rig, John, and, you know, folks who have fish finders that can get on top of the fish, and, you know, you'll see them spire up get on those spires and start fishing. If not, just go to any of the channel markers and drift. You know, you'll either drift over the channel, out in the bay, you know, out in the channel or up the ledge. Either way, want to just drift for a little bit. And if you catch fish, great. Stay on that spot if you can. If not, keep drifting back and forth. But just get those baits down there. It's so good. I mean, especially dip them in a little bit of uni butter. Just drop them down there. You're good to go.
1: You know, Jim, I, you brought up an interesting point, and that's the use of electronics, especially when fishing in the bay I, or the back bays. I know if you're in Mission Bay or the back of Newport Harbor or the back of San Diego Bay uh, uh, electronics, uh, it just doesn't seem to be that important until maybe you start getting out in the channels and, and where you're fishing a little more structure. And then even then, though, with the way our bays are marked up, a, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, it, you don't need the sophisticated electronics to go out there and fish.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, but you don't have to. Um, and, again, like you said, the, the channel mark, marks a, dr- a ledge, a drop-off. You know, I, quite often people can relate a lot of times to movie quotes, and if you think about that movie Finding Nemo, when uh, all the kids at school go early in the movie, they the school teacher takes the kids to the drop off, and Marlin freaks out. He's like, "Why don't you just cook them up now?" Because he knows that that's where small fish get eaten—is near the drop off. So that's what you got to do with your lure—is make it that little small fish that wandered out near the drop off, because the big ones waiting there for you.
1: Now, Jim, with our water warming up, it, it is—I know you know—we're always talking about spotted bay bass and sand bass and calicos, and occasionally a sculpin or a halibut. But are you finding that? the bays uh, especially san diego bay is it heating up with other varieties of fish that are coming in that we may not necessarily see in the winter months
4: yeah we it is john of course we are uh, being inundated right now with needlefish, little needle nose guard that uh, that's a pretty neat thing to see back in the back bay it's almost 76 degrees right now from the uh, i'd say from about National City on back, it's I mean, it, that's really warm water. Uh, you know, it's, it's bass water almost. And so those fish are, are just right now, you're, you're the fish that are normally there, that we're normally chasing, they're acting a little bit differently. Even the bonefish are acting a little differently than normal. But uh, even, even coolers, you're seeing fish that we normally don't see all the time, like the needlefish. The lizardfish epidemic that we had for a while, doesn't seem to be nearly the problem that it used to be, and I think the warmer water is helping. And that—that's always nice when you're fishing deeper. And you don't have to worry about lizard fish eating your halibut bait. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, we are seeing we're seeing some changes. You know, I haven't got anything real tropical. Uh, you no, know, no triple tail yet, or you no know, Wahoo back by the bridge or anything yet, Stan. But you know, we're waiting.
1: Yeah, but I'm getting reports uh, from people that are fishing off a of harbor island that. They're running into big schools of uh, of small bonita. uh are barracuda in the bay, and obviously lots of mackerel.
4: Oh yeah, lots of mac. I mean, that- and that's another another good thing. As much as guys, uh, you know, I love getting the sardines that the uh, Brothers. You know, they do a really good job of bringing in some nice, healthy sardines. Guys who want to use mackerel. Boy, that bay is full of them right now. You know, you can you can get some mackerel to supplement the sardines that you get, or if you just want to use mackerel for bait. You know, I like using them for the sharks. So when we got chum out there, and and uh, we're just getting mackerel, fresh mackerel right next to the boat, like crazy, and then of course we cut those up for the shark bait. So we got nice fresh mackerel; it's always better than frozen.
1: And uh, are you using sabiki rigs uh, for the mackerel, or are you going out there with spoons and bucktails and? And just catching them and having fun catching them.
4: You know, John, that's it. I mean, yeah, if we wanted to really just concentrate on doing nothing but working by making bait, by doing work, uh, like I say, guys who just want to grab, grab a couple dozen and head offshore, Sabiki rig's the best way to go. You know, there's there's plenty of different ones out there. But uh, for us, mostly we're, we're making it as part of the fun catch, especially with kids. So a lot of times we're using either a little grub, a little hair jigs, um, or a little... Castmasters, just something something flashy, something that's going to dart around that really get those mackerel, and plus you never know. If you get below the mackerel, sometimes that's where you get some of the bigger spotties.
1: All right, Captain James, also the Fish Icon. I'm Captain James, if uh, we want to find out uh, what your schedule's like, when we might be scheduled to go out with you, or when, when you're available, how's the best way to do it? Well, you
4: can always reach me online. There's also a link at the Rod and Reel Radio uh, website. That's pretty cool. Or call me. 619-395-0799.
1: All right. And I know you got a special crew going out with you tomorrow, Captain James. Uh, you go out there and knock them dead, okay?
4: Oh, I hope so. I'm, I'm hoping by taking some ringers that they'll show me how to catch a fish or two. <laughs> <All
1: right. laughs> Captain James Nelson, the fish icon with a Southern California report. Hey, that's it for the first hour of Rod Reel Radio. Stan, Wendy, and I, we've got to take a break right now, but hopefully coming up next is scheduled. Art Taylor from The Searcher, he's on the water. Hopefully we can make the connection. We'll be right back after these messages.
7: Complete schedule of long range adventures. Call today HM Landing 619 222 1144 or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. HM Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi day fishing since 1935. That's HM Landing at 619 222 1144
10: or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that
11: Two thousand fifteen and sixteen Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Anglers Arsenal in La Mesa or AnglersArsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355.
5: Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon
1: Ford. Hey, welcome back to Rod Real Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and we've got Stan Vandenberg and Wendy Toshahar with us. We've been trying to get a hold of Art Taylor. Art is on the water, and uh, unfortunately, we can't make the connection with him, so... We gave a quick call to a friend of Ron Real Radio to talk to us a little bit about the fishing conditions, how we go about and catch those pesky bluefin and yellowfin that we're finding off our coast. He's on the Penn Fishing Team, Mr. Steve Carson. Steve, welcome to Ron Real Radio, sir. Good evening. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great having you. You're on tonight also with the beautiful Wendy Toshihara, who happens to be the recipient of a 70-pound bluefin tuna she caught a couple of days ago, and then also you have Stan Vandenberg with us. So we want to wish you, uh, welcome you to the show, sir. Well, it's great to
12: talk to all of you. And, yes, I, I did see a picture of that nice bluefin that Wendy caught with her purple reel, no less. And <laughs> <At> a girl. <laughs> and so I was, I was very jealous, but I'm literally packing up as we speak, taking a little break. Again, uh, I'll be heading out on the Vagabond for a five-day trip and uh, try to catch one of my own that size, maybe even bigger, but I have no purple reels. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I'll see you out there at the landings tomorrow because I leave on my five-day on the searcher um, tomorrow morning.
12: No, nice. oh, yeah. No, I'm leaving Wednesday morning, so I won't be there till Wednesday morning. Oh. But... Uh, uh, like say I say, I'm trying to include a little bit of everything, you know, including the kitchen sink. Uh, you know, the fish could be 15 pounds and they could be 150 pounds. You know, you can't, you can't, just can't leave anything home because it's sure that the thing you didn't bring is going to be the thing you wish you had.
2: You know, the weird right. thing about this year is you don't know what you're going to stick out there. I mean, we've seen Opa up in Ventura. We've got I'm, Bruce Smith caught kind a oarfish. Of Snagged it on this last week and, and let it go. Uh, I saw one on the surface dead while we were out on the water last weekend, so, you know, you just don't know what you're going to find out there, and it could be big or small, but there's, there's a odd conglomeration of fish coming up the line, and I even heard of a big eye being caught. So,
12: well, and just today I picked up a little tidbit off the Internet as I was, you know, just kind of checking a few things out. In British Columbia, Canada, the last couple of days, they've been catching yellowtail. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me?
3: <laughs> That's awesome.
12: That's incredible. Oh. So, this is going to be one of those you should have remembered the good old days years that we're going to be talking about for the rest of our lives. Well, oh, you're not kidding. I mean, if you look at the comp the the comparison
2: of the El Nino from 97 and, and how big it was, and you look at the comparison to this one, and you saw all the red up north, all the way, it looked up like it was all the way up towards Alaska. Uh, this will be an interesting year. Wait till they get a marlin up there.
12: Oh, you can count on it because <laughs> the, unlike in the previous El Ninos, you know, the Pacific Northwest was not very well organized other than on the commercial level to catch albacore. There are pretty hardcore albacore anglers up there in uh, in Portland and and uh, not so much Seattle but Westport, Washington. They're good at catching albacore. Oh yeah. So if they hook a marlin, and they will, they'll probably land it now. Well, well, we're waiting for that word. I still, I still need to. get... What I'm hoping for on my trip is, you know, good weather, all of our all of our people catching a lot of fish, and I need to catch an opa.
1: Oh man. You and well, me both. Well, Steve, tell us. You know, there's a lot of people. That are looking forward to three and five day trips like uh, you and Wendy. Let's talk about your five day trip. You, you say you're 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 getting packed for it. How how do you start and what gear are you bringing and how do you keep from overpacking? Because sometimes you can bring so much stuff that you can't find it. You don't wind up using it because you get bit on something and you keep on using that. Tell us a little bit about how you're packing, what your rods and reels are, and, and what do you expect to be catching?
12: Well, you can't go by what I'm packing because I, I am one of those obsessive, compulsive people. But uh, believe it or not, I do manage to catch fish on most of it. But what people need to have is they need to be familiar with their gear. You need to have, and, and there's, there's a couple of additions to this, you need to have a 25 or 30-pound outfit, for you know, for for what we would call ordinarily light live bait fishing, not ultra light. We'll come back to that. You need to have a forty pound outfit, uh, which will be kind of your workhorse for you know everything from twenty five pounders that want to bite to eighty pounders that don't want to bite. That forty pound rod, it should be a two speed. Personally, I like to use the the Pen Torque twenty five narrow two speed. A lot of people like to you know use something maybe a little bit less expensive like a Fathom twenty five narrow two speed, but should be a two-speed, uh, unless you're a 25-year-old construction worker. For everybody else, especially old guys like me, two-speed makes a difference. Then you want to have a, you know, a yo-yo slash jigging outfit, which can be 50-pound test, and you'll throw everything from, you know, uh, uh, four-ounce j- four jigs for tuna, to yo-yo jigs for yellowtail, on up to maybe a taddy 4 which is about seven ounces, just a good workhorse thing. Uh you, those are the three you want to have. You want to know how they work. You want to make sure that they're tied up. You want to know what all the buttons and and levers all do. You want to be as good a caster as you can be. Now, optional outfits on top of those three. Uh in particular the yellowfin lately, the local yellowfin, not so much the long range yellowfin have been biting anchovies. Yes, they have. And, you know what, there's no substitute for 20-pound test for fishing with anchovies. Um, you just need one, you know, a small star drag reel. Again, I like to use a little pen torque number 12. But uh, something small, star drag, not a two-speed, not a lever drag. They're good, but you know what, they're not quite there for anchovies yet. You'll also probably want to have a 50- or 60-pound two-speed outfit in case those big ones You know, 100-plus pounders show up around the boat, 40 can be a little light. You can land them on it, but it can be tough. And then the one I'm going to say, was almost a blasphemous word in the San Diego fishing offshore fleet, spinning tackle with poppers.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yellowfin tuna,
12: love poppers. If they're anywhere near, you know, if they're way down deep, then they're way down deep. But if they're anywhere near the surface, they actually bite poppers better than they bite live bait. In the last year or
2: two, that popping rod, that they, they, the companies that, that make rods for the West Coast have concentrated on a spinning rod to throw poppers with, and several companies offer that now. Uh, and that's become, I mean, I like throwing around a bait catcher, If you got the right rod and reel combo, you can still hurl one. Uh, and we used them this weekend, but that spinning rod it, it, with a popper on it has been a really fun thing to have
12: on board. Yeah, what most people will find, and the older and the grumpier the angler, the more set in their ways they are about hating spinning reels. But what the reality of it is, is that West Coast anglers think they hate spinning reels, and what in reality, what they really hate is cheap spinning reels. Yeah. And if you get into any of the quality-made reels, call you know call the line at around two hundred dollars and up. And you know I hate to say that you've got to buy something expensive to be able to fish, but if you want to fish for tuna with spinning tackle, you probably need to spend two hundred bucks. And it's real easy to spend five hundred or more if you want to. Oh, easy, easy.
1: You know, know, uh, Steve, if if you were to mention any of the. The brand names or the styles at each one of the brands. Could you make a couple of suggestions?
12: Well, first of all, you know, the, luckily for everybody, the spinning wheel sizes are fairly standardized. So if you find a size you like and you want to just shop around and it balances a rod you like, you can shop around and check. I would, I would get probably a seven thousand or an eight thousand size reel. Uh, if they you can get them a lot bigger than that, but they're they're heavy and they're harder to cast. They're, you know, they're just heavy when they're when they're huge and anything smaller than about a 6000 just doesn't hold enough line for tuna. I like to say about a 7000 size. The minimum would be the the Penn Spinfisher 7500, Penn's new Clash, which I just got back from the ICAST show back in uh back in Orlando, the, the new Penn Clash spinning reel. Uh just won best new saltwater reel at the show, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. That runs around 260 and then of course my personal favorite, the Pentorque Seven, but that—that's the high side of seven bills, not necessarily for everybody. You can certainly do it with one of those mid-price reels. Just please, 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 don't go to a big-box retailer and buy the biggest spinning reel you can find for the low, low price of forty-nine ninety-five, because all the bad stories that everybody ever told about spinning reels will come true.
1: Well, Stan, you had a an incident where you were. Uh, uh... Fishing with a uh, world famous fisherman, and he was uh, using a popper on a, a trip you were on. You want to just uh, uh, quickly tell us about that uh, story? Well,
2: yeah, I, I actually had the invite to take Roland Martin on a on a trip to Guadalupe Island, and uh, he was using a Mitchell spinning reel that he had. He was a machinist before he was a professional fisherman, and uh, he had redone all the gears and drag systems on this thing to make it sturdy enough to fish for those bigger fish, and we were fishing that 100-pound-plus yellowfin at, at Guadalupe, and he took one of those uh, popper, a uh, spro popper, and threw it out there behind the boat and gave it a couple of whacks, and he got boiled on. The next thing you know, he got whacked big time. And that fish, it made it to the, the boat but with only a head left on it, but it would have been at least a, a buck and a quarter, and they but that yellowfin loved those poppers, and it's just way fun. Now, he was using that spinning reel back then, and this was probably five years ago, Yeah. Uh, but that started, look at the guys that are making them now. I mean, all the major players that are in that industry that can make that spinning reel accurate, and I know there's uh, Okuma and, and Penn. There's a lot of different people that are making a spinning reel that's strong enough to go out and play with this fish. So. It's a new tool because they've come so far in adjusting the gear ratios and drag settings that you can utilize the spectra to cast a a bait further because it's lightweight and it floats. Uh, Especially for popper fishing, it makes it a whole lot easier. Now the rod companies that are building rods specifically for the poppers, it's making it a lot more fun.
1: Steve, I'm going to think that something that's harder to find than a spinning reel to use for this tuna is to find a spinning rod to use on these tuna. I mean, you don't you don't find spinning rods all over the place that are that are rated for catching tuna the the size that we're seeing out there.
12: Well, actually, you do, but what you don't see is you don't see them in Southern California tackle shops. Oh, right. If you go online, they're they're actually relatively common. Um, you know, you kind of have to make two fundamental choice. Well, you have to make a fundamental choice. Between the the shorter ones and the way the fishing's been lately, um, absolute casting distance isn't super critical. You know, a spinning reel cast pretty doggone good anyway. So you can go for some of the shorter rods that are in the six foot six to seven foot range. Get plenty of distance to catch fish, and uh, then you, of course you have more pulling power. There are, you know, some popping actions from seven foot six to as much as eight foot six, which for those situations where you do need the distance, you know, it's obviously it's going to be at the sacrifice of some pulling leverage, and it's it's like anything else—you have to decide, or you can be like me and just get one of everything.
2: (laughs) You know, there's—I know there's a couple, three rod companies that are building rods for the popper. I know that um, Seekers using the Hercules blank and doing a really good job of that. And then uh, uh, I know Cousins has made a blank for that style fishing, and I know that Graphite USA, or not Graphite USA, United yep. Rods. Randy has approached that idea too from United Rods. Um, there's not a whole lot, but they're addressing that problem. And there's a few of them that you can get right now that are out on the market and uh, and they work really well.
12: Well, Pan T- has got one that they also unveiled at the iCast show, probably won't be available till around October. Called the Carnage Two, there and there's you know there's a full a full lineup of uh, of uh, different actions, just the, even one with it, with a take apart handle specifically for popping, so you can fly to exotic locations. And if money's no object, you know even if you just like to research exotic gear on the internet and with no intention of ever actually buying it, sort of the gold standard brand in that type of rod. The, bl- the brand is called Black Hole, huh. and um, yeah, you That's can look at those and drool money. in, you know, and they start at about 400 and go to about 800 bucks. Again, not for everybody, but they they definitely exist, and they're pretty cool.
1: Hey, guys, we got to take a break right now. Uh, we're speaking with Steve Carson. Steve, can you uh, stay on for another segment with us? You bet. All right. We want to thank Steve Carson. He's kind of pinch-hitting for Art Taylor. We tried to get a whole of Art, and it just couldn't make the connection. And we want to thank Art, though, for trying to get with us to be on the show tonight. And, Steve, we want to thank you very much for pinch-hitting, getting a lot of great information for you. This is uh, Rod Real Radio with Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. More to come after these messages.
11: Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com
13: movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin 6-ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook and at our webpage at ChiefSportFishing.com.
2: Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were.
1: And welcome back to Rod Real Radio. Stan Vandenberg's with us tonight. So is Wendy Toshihara. For those of you that were expecting to hear Captain Art Taylor, we were trying to make a connection with Captain Art. He uh, was uh, too far out at sea that we... Couldn't get a good connection with him, so we asked Steve Carson to come on kind at the last minute. And Steve, we want to thank you very much for preparing so fully for this interview tonight with us.
12: Well, you know, you're welcome, and you know, it's funny. Uh, I've got a six day trip coming up with with uh, Art Taylor on the Searcher in the middle of September. Uh, I'm hoping he saves some fish some fish for me.
1: Oh man, that's it. Hey, you know, be, before we broke. You know, Stan and Wendy, I don't think I've heard a more thorough explanation about using a popper, especially for these yellow uh, fin that we have out here. But, uh, Steve, one of the things I want to ask you about is when you're fishing from them, the bow of the boat, stern of the boat, better to be higher off the water, lower in the water, uh, maybe better on a private boat. What's your thoughts on that?
12: Well, a lot of it depends on the individual person um, and their tackle and the popper. Uh, you want, basically, you want to make sure you're retrieving it fast. It's got to be moving fast because, let's face it, all those poppers are pretty stupid looking. And if the fish get a good look at them, they're not going to bite them. So you want to move in fast, and you want as much pop as possible. So basically, the biggest the biggest mouth, for want of a better word, the biggest face yes. uh, that you can find, uh, the better. And you know the fish don't even have to be that big. The, the poppers that I use, I don't like to use the you know the, the really super expensive ones. Um, I'll generally use uh, Williamson Jet poppers, which uh, in the you know the two and a half ounce size they only run about twenty bucks. In the four ounce size they run about thirty bucks. Unlike plenty of them run about a hundred. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't really like to use those, and even the twenty pound tuna a lot of times will bite the bigger popper because it's making a bigger pop, uh, and also I've know, kind of an interesting phenomenon I've noticed, and I don't think it's psychological, and I bet your stand can back me up on bass that bass that hit that hit with aggression strikes on either spinner baits or topwaters, they fight more. Beneficius that just eats a plastic worm. When those yellowfin come up and kill a pauper, they are killing it. It's quite obvious. They don't have to use that much force just to eat it, and they fight more.
2: Well, when they come up and eat it, they're coming up at speed. I mean, right. when they, it's not like they come up and slurp. These things are coming at 30 miles an hour, and they eat it turn. and turn. And when they eat it and turn or come straight across it and flash at it, they're still doing speed, and it, it, the strike is pretty impressive. i got to give them credit. It's a lot of fun. If you get some popper fish going, you'll you'll the first time you do that, it's just like fishing for largemouth bass with a surface bait. Every guy that likes to catch fish likes to catch them on the surface because it's pure fun. But that fish is right. When they turn, they burn. They're burning already. So... It's pretty violent sometimes, but it's great fun, and they don't care. I think that stuff that's bouncing out on the surface. Most of your your big poppers are about the size of a large sardine. Uh, you, they don't have a. I haven't seen a six ounce popper out there, but that you can get them up to four or four and a half ounces. Um, and if you can get them away from the boat, if you're on the anchor and there's current, it's easy to throw it sideways and just feed line and let it get be behind the boat if you can't cast. You just gotta make sure that you're not in everybody else's way.
4: If
1: you,
2: you th- happen to get on a boat where you gotta pre plan this w- when uh, they're trolling and and they get the bite on, especially on the yellowfin. Not so much for the bluefin. On yellowfin, they like to eat anything you know, that's uh, uh, that's moving, and you can. That's where your mega baits and your kick baits and whatever else you put them on the out behind the boat as soon as the guy gets bit. But on a popper, get on the, wherever the, not the windward side, because that's the way the boat's going to float once it stops. You have to throw it downwind. On the downwind side of the boat, walk it back. Uh, And you do it after the boat's been bit. And let the popper just go way back out there because the boat's going to slide for a while. You're just going to have to feed line. Once the boat starts to, to get pushed by the winds and then all the rest of the lines are going to the one corner. Your popper will be way back there. And that's a that's kind of a cool way to catch them. And then you start popping it back to the boat or lift the rod tip up, keep the rod tip up and real, real fast to keep it out of everybody's line. But you can get that real effective on that yellow pin by that way.
12: Now, a question I get quite often is what color? And for the most part, color doesn't matter. How much water it's spitting, how much it's popping, that matters. And then uh, can for they most see it locals it is all they care about <laughs> what's that? Can they see it is
2: all they really care about. If it's yeah, well fish, I can you can see it?
12: it? If it's the color that you can see, that yes, actually is helpful. Yes it is. And then um, as far as the line goes, on for any sort of local fish. 65 pound uh, seems to be the compromise between good cast ability and just in case a kind of a bigger fish eats you. When I'm, when I'm down on like a 10 day trip, I might throw 80. But 65 is plenty and cast quite a bit better. And then the leader is the easiest thing in the world. Literally two feet. Doesn't even need to be three feet. Yep. Two feet is plenty of, of 100 pound test mono. You don't need fluoro. You don't need to spend the money on fluoro. And that's really just so that when you get the fish up on the deck, you can drag him around.
1: 100% there, buddy. 100%
12: I'm with you.
1: (laughs) You know, Steve, in in freshwater fishing, when we're using a popper, uh, we'll pop it. And then when the fish boils on it, sometimes it smacks it. Sometimes it, it doesn't eat it. And one of the rules we use is we wait to feel the weight of the fish on there before we set the hook. Uh, is that sort of like a method that you use with a popper to before you set the hook or usually when they get on that thing are they on it like white on rice?
12: Well you gotta remember in most freshwater fishing, the majority of the times you've made maybe a fifty foot cast and you get bit halfway back, so the fish is only twenty five feet away. You can pull the lure right out of his mouth. With you know, depending on the rod you use and, and, and what the wind is doing, you could easily have casted 75 or more yards, and a lot of times the tuner are on it instantaneously. As soon as it makes a move, they're on it. So, you know, you've got 75 or more yards of line-out, it's it's a little bit harder to react too quickly. So, you know, I mean, if you're you're jerking, 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 right as he bites it, yeah, you can pull it away from him. But, you know, essentially when you see him eat it, by the time you can react and tighten the line-up 75 yards away, the fish is on. You'll know. That's about all yeah.
2: I can say. When you when it bites, is if your rods, a, just keep the rod tip up, and when it starts to bend, turn the handle. Don't set the hook. He's got it in his mouth. Just turn the handle, keep the rod tip up, and figure out where you're supposed to go to keep out of everybody else's hair.
12: That's about all I know. Yeah, it's 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 more important to to keep the lure, much like with surface iron fishing. Yep. You know, you're gonna get, you might get two, three, four sort of false bites or bumps or nudges or tail slaps or whatever, and if you stop to look or you jerk to set the hook, you know, if you pulled it away from So it's much more important that you maintain, you know, your, your fish attracting retrieve on, you know, whatever your particular lure requires you to be doing. Cause the fish might miss it a couple times, but he'll keep coming back. And then of course, When, if you get into a a school of maybe a little bit smaller fishing you want, you get into a school of those 10-pounders, or you've already got your limit, or you're on a multi-day trip and you don't want to fill your limit up too quick, I always have one or two of my favorite poppers with no hooks at all. And literally, it's just, you know, you'll get sometimes 25 or 30 bites on one cast. Pretty amazing fun and Again, when they're only ten pounds, you didn't really want to keep them anyway.
10: Wow!
2: You know, with the advantage of these smaller reels that'll that have more drag pressure, um, the the probably the best tools we have now in the market are the a little smaller reel. You can put sixty-five pound braid on, solid braid. Don't use the hollow. Right. Use solid Definitely. braid, and and use a light color. Don't get green out there where you can't see it in low light or early morning or in the evening. Use a white or light yellow or blue or something that you can see. And because because with a smaller spool, even with the lightness of a popper, you can you can get the spool moving easier on your cast and get that long cast that you need. Uh, and with today's reels, a lot of them that are on the market, you can get that smaller reel with a larger drag system. And, and there are a lot of fun to fish with these bigger fish that we're catching right now, especially, I think, through the season. Don't you think we're going to have some fun with these things?
12: Oh, well, it, you know, it, it's actually a good thing because everybody, it's not everybody, but a large number of Southern California fishermen were pretty intransigent about spinning reels. And even though the last couple of years has seen some amazing technological and engineering improvements in spinning tackle, it really takes a bite like this, which is wide open yellowfin tuna fishing and a lure that they actually like better than bait. To really kind of get everybody, get you sort of the the, the public consciousness moving in the direction of of spinning tackle. Because whether it's next year or three years from now, we're going to go back to normal. uh, You know, and not that normal's terrible, but normal's not like it is now. And (laughs) the bait is going to go back to anchovies. And people are going to need to use spinning tackle just to be able to fish those little lightweight baits that, you know, really it's been... Over twenty years, we've got a whole generation of, of young anglers that haven't really fished with anchovies very much, and you know, you're it, exactly it, correct. Listen it's common people have never caught an albacore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly. They're, hey. they're, they're, it's it's only a matter of when, not if. Hey, yeah. we
1: are we are speaking with Steve Carson, uh, the fishing <laughs> professor. Hey, Steve, in the few minutes that we have left, you're packing for a long range trip. Uh, you know, and, you know, everyone, we talk about hooks and what to use in live bait, but tell us a little bit about some of the artificial lures that you're taking with you that you, you hope that you get a chance to get wet on this trip.
12: Well, I've got some, uh, you know, I've got some test lures that I've got one that, that uh, I sort of Frankenstein together from a couple different companies' offerings, trying to make it look like uh, a tuna crab. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that that thing works. I've got, uh, my usual assortment of, uh, stuff from Taddy and Sumo. I love the Sumo JR for yo-yoing for Yellowtail. I love the Taddy 4 for yo-yoing for Yellowtail when they're, when the fish are a little deeper. Um, I've got some, my, you, you mentioned the Megabait Lure. Of course, there's a wide variety of styles of that. My favorite one is the Williamson Herring. Uh, kind of hard to find. You kind of have to search around on the internet to find them. That has just been an absolute killer for me. And um, also, you I'm setting why? up. I'm setting up some some uh, uh, Rapala XR Mag 30s with single hooks. The new inline single hooks. Uh, so they're a little bit safer. You know, there's no secret that Rapala's catch a lot of fish. But a fish thrashing around on the deck with a bunch of treble hooks flying everywhere can be a bit of an issue on a tr- on a party boat. So I'm setting them up with single hooks just so they're a little bit more safe.
1: Is it the you know, single hooks? We learned
12: from we We had Eddie Eddie McEwen before he passed away. He was part of the show for a
2: while. And one of the things Eddie taught me is if you're in that blue ten bite and you've got a herring in that thing, you see a brown bait in that tank, you put that on that, the instant bite. So having that, that herring-colored megabait or, or something close to it, if you can find it online, paint something up like it, that's, that is a, a getter for these bluefin, and that's just something that Eddie McEwen shared with us several years ago, but that makes total sense.
1: Wow, well, and on those uh, single hooks, uh, Steve, are you talking about uh, gearing them up with a siwash and are you replacing both the trebles, or are you just putting one? a uh, single hook in the uh, in the back of the bait, or what?
12: Yeah, well, the, the answer is, no, they're not siwash. They're they're relatively new on the market. They're, they're single hooks with an inline eye. Okay. And uh, it's hard to describe exactly what that looks like on, on radio, but just turn the eye 45 degrees from what a siwash would be so that it's in line with the bend of the hook. And uh, uh owner makes those specifically for replacing treble hooks on lures, either for safety issues or in a lot of fisheries, uh, treble hooks are no longer legal, and you have to change over to single hooks. Or for things like fishing around kelp where treble hook can just kind of be a pain, uh, you'll get hung up a whole lot less, and yeah, uh, maybe they don't hook, hook fish 100% as good as the trebles do, but they hook them about 95% as good, and again, they are so much more convenient on a variety of levels. Actually, Rapala, ironically, sells a whole series of, uh, of, their, of their X-Rap mag uh, lures in Australia with the single hooks already, already installed. So I've been bugging them and telling them to sell them in the USA. Uh, but until that happens, I'm changing them over.
1: Right. Well, hey, Steve, unfortunately, so much to talk about, so little time to do it. Uh, we just got to thank you very much. If people want to find out more about how they can get information from you, where, you know, where you're going to be, how's the best way to go about doing it?
12: Well, the easiest place to do it is uh, right on the, the Pen Fishing tackle. I, I believe it's uh, PenFishing.com on Facebook. Uh, yes, as an old guy, I've been drag kicking and screaming into the 21st century, but, <laughs> but you can see my schedule there on Facebook, and, you know, when I'm in town, I don't do it from the boat, even though a lot of the boats are set up with Wi Fi now. I do have rules. <laughs> I'm not there obsessively checking my emails and my texts when I'm fishing. But uh, I'm on I'm on Penn's Facebook page pretty regularly, and they do have my schedule, uh, schedule my trips posted. And I should have the 2016 schedule up by, oh, probably by the end of September.
1: All right. Steve Carson, Steve, if you will, can you hold on after we uh, go to commercial break? Uh, just a couple of words I want to have with you. And I can't thank you enough for being with us.
2: Yeah, be sure to sure, little tip for these guys that are fishing around. But we'll go we'll go on the break, we'll come back.
1: All right. Hey, this is Ron Real Radio on AM five forty. Scheduled to come up next, Cut and Chuck Taft, but we've got to take a break right now. We'll be right back after these messages.
10: 7262, or just spell Bass Boat. 1 800 Bass Boat. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1 800 Bass Boat, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1 800BassBoat.com.
8: My angler H2Oath. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye! I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket.
3: What's your H2O? Tell us at
13: BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California.
6: It's tuna time, and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet. The 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 is the open party boat at H&M Landing in San Diego, and has a roomy, really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs, soda fountain, ice maker, and satellite foam. The huge U-bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two 4-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as Fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure 2 online at hmlanding.com or call HM Landing at 619 222 1144.
1: In Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Wendy Toshahara is with us tonight. So, Stan Vandenberg. And now we are really happy to have uh, the next guy on with us. He is the owner-operator of Sea Adventure Sports Fishing. Just coming off the water, trying to get a latest report on what's happening, Captain Chuck Taft. Captain Chuck, how you doing tonight, sir?
9: Oh, we're doing
1: good. We just got in from a trip, running around like a chick on
9: my head, chopped off, getting ready to leave again.
1: <laughs> I, You know, uh, it's, it's amazing. There seems to be no middle ground. Either you're going in and out, in and out, in and out. Or you're not going out at all so this this is the time of year though that you work hard and savor for to get all the boats into shape make sure everything's mechanically right and man fishermen are taking advantage of it
9: yeah things are looking up i mean this is the weirdest year i've ever ever seen uh... el nino has pushed up so far guys that warm water already up into work and there is fish absolutely everywhere. But, you know, one day they bite really good, and then the next day it's a little bit slower. But, man, there's fish to look at everywhere you go.
1: You know, and that's the to thing, Chuck, because we're hearing it all over the place. Uh, even this week, beginning of the week, man, the fish were biting. And then the next thing you know, you could be standing on top of a school of tuna, and it was like uh, it, they weren't even there, or you weren't even there. You just couldn't get them to bite.
9: Oh, it's amazing. Like yesterday, I'll bet I looked at 50 bunches of bluefin, and they were all the two and 300-pound fish of bluefin. <laughs> Never oh. seen so many big fish.
1: Oh, man. Now, I, I'm going to imagine, uh, uh, Captain Chuck, you're staying in U.S. waters, and, and these fish are in U.S. waters, or are you traveling a little bit to, to get to where these fish are?
9: Um, we're doing both. Some of the trips we fished U.S. waters. This two-day trip, we fished U.S. waters the first day and Mexico the second day. Wow. So, you know, we're going wherever we have to go to try to catch fish.
1: Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago we got a report from uh, Captain uh, Bobby Taft that there was a big biomass of yellowfin tuna coming on up the coast. And I know that, uh, you know, you've had an eye on uh, the satellite maps and the terraffin maps and everything like that. Uh, what's happening with those fish? Are they actually coming into our waters from what you can see?
9: Yeah, there is a lot of fish that have moved up. Uh, A lot of fish. uh, I think Stan was on the trip with Bobby and they went down below and had a good trip down below. Yeah. It's just, it's like three different sized bunches of fish moving around. It's really weird. There's some 12 to 15 pound fish, there's some 30 to 40, and then there's some, tuna, probably the smallest yellowfin I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
1: well, you know, uh, Chuck, is there a chance that our water is going to get so warm that it's actually going to push a lot of these fish up farther north where we're going to have a hard t- harder time from San Diego getting to them?
9: You want an honest answer? <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: Because <laughs> yeah. it, it, it seems like, uh, you know, we had... Yes, this- it
9: is. What's happened is, and I told everybody at the show this year in Long Beach that this was what was going to happen with the start of the El Nino the way it was, that the warm water was going to push so far up that all the fish were going to walk up. So what's happened is they're all just pushing up and coming through, going up, um, I heard they caught yellowfin out of Ventura and
4: Oxnard yesterday.
2: Yep. So that's how far it's already pushed up. Wow. And- Pretty soon, Chuck, we're going to have to go to the Sea Mount from San Diego to catch fish. Well, it's hard to say. I mean, you just—and
9: the weirdest part of this whole year is from San Diego down about 30 miles. There's good fish, and up the coast. From Dana Point, there's fish, and then they had some fish up in Oxnard and Ventura. But if you go from 35 miles down another 100 miles, there's not much fish. But yet you get down in the 29 block, there's all kinds of small fish, big yellows and everything else down in there. It's like there's different pockets this year, not like we would normally see. And I'm sure it's all a cause from the El Nino that we're having. As hard as it's pushing.
1: Well, you know, it's been a good, new, uh, good news, bad news story. Uh, I remember when we last talked to you, you were telling us about all these fish that were fairly close to the, uh, you know, to the shoreline, within a few miles, and then you got on a little bit farther out, and it just seemed like there was good, clean water out there, but just no life. Uh, are you seeing the same thing, or is that situation changing?
9: There is absolutely uh, beautiful, beautiful water from eight miles out all the way down and out to Guadalupe right now. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what 73-degree water yesterday. And Ooh. some of the yellowtail that we're catching on these kilts this year, guys, is just unbelievable, the quality of the yellowtail. From 20 to 35 pounds, I mean, there are some real-toed yellow right now.
1: Well, Chuck, tell us a little bit about uh, the boats uh, at Sea Adventure Sports Fishing. Uh, what boats are you are you taking out now, and what kind of trips are they going on?
9: Well, right now, uh, we're running multiple-day trips on the Legend, day-and-a-half two-and-a-half-day trips on the Legend that somebody can get on at any time, the other boats. Uh, the Sea Adventure 2's run running limited load, and the Jig Strike and the Alicia are both running charters. And most of them are overnight and three-quarter day trips.
1: Uh, you know, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, they're have, uh, they're finding that there's limited availability on uh, uh, getting on some of the regular sports fishers. So they said, you know, this is a time to do a charter. So when you look at the Alicia and the Jig Strike, tell us a little bit about. Those boats, and what kind of charters uh, do you take? Uh, what type of load?
9: Well, yeah, the Tech Strike is an absolute fantastic boat for 16 to 18 people. It has the bait capacity that the Sea Adventure has. I mean, it's got 150 scoop uh, bay tank on the boat. It's got a 7-ton hole. It's got 16 big double bunks on the boat, and I mean, it's it's set up beautiful with satellite TV and stuff. For 16 to 18, guys, it's absolutely as good a fishing hey, machine Chuck? as you could ask for.
1: Yeah, Wendy's hey, got Chuck? a question, Chuck. Go on, Wendy.
3: I, I'm going to be on the jig strike on August 9th with the um, with Valley View Casino.
9: Oh, you'll have a great time.
3: Yeah, I'll be on that boat, and then I'm going to be on the Legend. It's Line trip, and it's September 17th through the 19th. So uh, to our listeners, sign up and let's go fishing. (laughs)
9: There you go. Yeah, I mean, those those are great trips. And you know, everybody has to understand right now that there's going to be really good days fishing and there's going to be slow days because there's so much fish moving up and down the coast and so much uh, bait around that... You know, it's hard to say anything's going to happen in 100% consistency right now. So the guys got to understand, if you happen to go on a one-day trip and it's slow, guys, the next trip's probably going to be wide open because there's so much fish up and down the coast here that you're going to look at fish no matter where you go. I mean, you're going to look at fish from two to 300 pounds down to 10, 12-pound fish just spot after spot of fish some days they bite and some days they don't. I know the Stan had a trip and the one day up the coast it was as slow as you could ask for up there. Some boats caught them and some didn't, but you looked at fish everywhere and the next day they had good fishing, so. Yep. You know, it's just, guys can't get discouraged and it's hard to say, well, they bit today, let's go tomorrow because you never know what's going to happen with this kind of fishing, guys. The only way you're going to know is get on a boat and go fishing. I'll guarantee whatever boat you're getting on, you're going to look at a lot, a lot of fish. And if you pick the right day, you're going to be really stylin'.
1: You know that's why we say don't look at the uh, the dock totals because a lot of times they are not an accurate indication of, of what's happening. We know we you know we know that on the three quarter and day boats that they weren't showing a lot of fish, but the guys were catching fish; they just weren't bringing them in. And are you finding that? on uh, uh, some of the trips that you're running to, Chuck? Well, we
9: had a stop the day before where we hooked uh, probably 40 or 50 of the bluefin, and we only ended up with 10 of them. They were all 60 to 80-pound fish. The other ones took everybody's line and hooks. I mean, you can't ask for more action and better than that, but the numbers don't show up as well as people would think they would, you know. Just because you hook a fish doesn't mean it's going to get in the boat. I mean, these, these guys <laughs> they fight They fight for keeps. They're, they're not letting up. And you guys that fish all the time know what I'm saying. And I mean, when people go fishing, the most important thing is for people to be courteous and respect the other person that has a fish on and let the people get by. That's how you land most of these fish. It's, you got to help each other. Every one of my seminars, we tell everybody, you guys got to work together.
2: It isn't hate thy neighbor, help each other.
1: Oh, I, know. Well, I, have
2: one, I have one rule. The first rule that everybody learns on every one of my trips is make sure the guy next to you lands his fish. No matter what, you make sure that guy lands his fish. Do everything you can to make sure he catches his fish. And if everybody well, else a- is doing that on the boat, you have everybody working together.
9: That's as good a rule as you could ever ask for. and That's what we preach on every seminar is for people to work together and follow their their loose lines and stuff, you know. That is the biggest hindrance that everybody has on fishing these tuna. And and then when you go kelp paddy fishing and you hit a spot of them tuna or those big yellows on a kelp and people don't follow their lines, it's, it's terrible. But what you're saying, Stan, is the best rule I've ever heard.
1: All right. Captain Chuck Taft. Sea Adventure Sports Fishing, I know you're getting ready to go on out tonight. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Captain Chuck, if we want to look at going out of one of the boats from Sea Adventure Sports Fishing, uh, find out what the schedule is, book a charter on the Alicia or the Jig Strike, how's the best way to go about doing it? The
9: easiest way is to go to Sea Adventure or go to the Legend Sport Fishing and look it up on the Internet. It's got all our uh, multiple day trips there listed. And, guys, get on one. Like Wendy said, line has got a trip going. I think there's three or four openings, and it's a great giveaway, and they uh, fill reels and help you out and show you knots. Wendy is just great at working with you guys and helping you. So, guys, thank you so much. Good fishing to everybody.
1: Chuck, thanks a lot for uh, at least coming up for a breath of air and talking to us tonight. Good luck for you in the following week, and we'll be following what you're doing. Thank you again, Chuck. Thank you. All right. Hey guys, we've just about burned up all the time tonight. Wendy, you have a great trip and go out there and give them and 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 please give our apologies to Captain Art. We tried to get him on and it just couldn't make the connection.
3: I will. And you guys have a great week. And I'll talk to you guys when I get
1: back. Right. And and same with you. Uh, you take care, Stan. Have a great week, and we'll be talking to you next week.
2: And give the people the red and white feather clue next uh, on, a, on what they call a JAPET. Don't write letters. It just works. Uh, and switch out the hooks on your flatball ball base to the Gamakatsu 50 uh, sidewash hooks and put them against each other so they swing and they'll catch more fish, but we can't do that till next week, apparently.
1: <laughs> apparently not, because we're way over time right now, and Jr. is just itching to press that button. So on behalf of Stan, Wendy, always in memory of Big Tuna Bill. Thank you, Jr. Thank you, Ben Harvey. You guys keep safe. Get out there and get them. As Kevin Minio used to say, they're getting away. Stay safe. We're out for now.